0: Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host,
1: Matt Langoni. Welcome into another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Suffield Academy boys soccer head coach Ricky Warren. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Hey, good day. I'm so happy to be a part of this right
1: now. Awesome. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. You guys uh, have been one of the great stories of New England uh, boys prep soccer so far as we're in kind of early October here. So it, it's great to have you and talk about the season. We we're just chatting off air before we started about, about how well it's been going for your team. N- no losses yet. 6-0-1 on the season. That's That's a pretty good place to be. Defensively, offensively, pretty impressive so far. Some might have said, I don't know if, in your eyes, the success you're having is a is a surprise because I talked to you before the season and you were pretty happy with with what you had and pretty impressed with the with the talent you had on the roster. But do you think other programs across New England are surprised with you guys, or what? What do you think the perception is of Suffield right now?
2: I really don't know, and and I think mainly because of my focus has been on the boys, right? right? So for the last two years, we've brought in a lot of young players. Two years ago, we brought in eight freshmen and five sophomores. And then we turned around and brought in a few more freshmen last year and junior and a junior. So it was one of those things that you focus on what you're looking to do and accomplish in the long term. I'm not a big believer of bringing in a lot of older kids. I'm a big believer of bringing in younger players and having them combine and come together and have that unity. And what we're seeing is it's a unity of family over the couple of years, playing really well for each other. And that's what you have going for us right now. As for the other teams, if they knew it was going to happen or not, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, we got beat up the past two years. We were four and whatever, four wins two years ago, four wins last year. But I was focusing on how we reduce our goal against and how well we move the ball as a team, and how well we were getting better defensively is what our focus was. And then we brought in a couple more pieces this year. Goalie from Canada, we know we needed to go and go. He's the only new player that has started. And and then we have a couple guys coming off the bench that are are big impact players. So I think that's what I was focusing on. And, and it all came together and just trying to stay healthy and continue throughout the season.
1: I know it was just a draw, but on Saturday, this past Saturday, as we're, as we're speaking right now, you had a, a draw against Taft, which I would imagine kind of speaks volumes about where you are right now. Taft is a, is a powerhouse in New England, Class A runner-up two years ago, really good program, right in the mix again this year as one of the top programs in New England. You guys were able to get a draw with them. Did that, were you pleased with that result, and are you, did that solidify to you that your team is is kind of a force this year?
2: We still have a lot to work on, to be honest with you. Taft is very good, really, really good team. Yeah, They have a lot of pieces there. And, and I mean, they, they're they probably one of the best teams we've played this year. Uh, I think Andover was good, but mm-hmm. individually, like skill-wise, they had way more uh, game-changing players, I would say, on Taft's team that could just end up turning the game around with all the other players that they have across the board I thought the result was a good result but a little disappointed in mm-hmm. the way we gave up the goal at the last minute we we're up to one and the way we gave up that goal I was very I i, I kind of lost a few sleep a few <laughs> hours just trying to figure out how to fix that watching the film but I think I figured it out and we're going to work on it moving forward and that's the key right just to work on the our guys not to focus on the other team and how they are compare us ourselves we compare ourselves to ourselves right and, and that's what we're looking at doing now so we have a lot to work on if we want to keep doing what we're doing right only four goals allowed right through the first uh seven matches
1: i believe which is a pretty good number who are some of those players i mean we, we've talked before about some of those standouts on the back line for you and who's kind of anchoring that unit but who, who are some of the guys who have really delivered for you so far this season
2: Four is a pretty solid four, to be honest with you. Well, with the leadership of Joshua Mayer, the senior captain, is is absolutely our steady of the ship, right? When you have a senior and a goalie who's communicating, it's huge. But that back four is very solid. Uh, we have a couple of sophomores and and one junior. We have a sophomore who is he's gonna be he's legit. Yeah. That's off center back, he's legit. He's like six one. He plays for IFA, Gavin Bear. he's He is a legit player. I see him going off to a great Division One program down the line here in the future. And then, obviously, my son plays for me, and he's not a left back. And I I transferred him into a left back because I needed a left foot player that can play out in the back. So he's now playing left back on the left side there. And and then on the right side, and he's also a sophomore. And then on the right side, we have Keegan Mill. Who's a junior? Who's also a very good player, very good defender, natural left right back. <laughs> plays really tough. But with, to be honest with you, the guy that is keeping the ship steady, the guys that are keeping the ste- ship steady is, is the four guys communicating with each other, looking out for each other, covering each other, playing strong, and and Josh communicating a lot, and our goalie Christoph.
1: Anyone who's ever coached their son knows that that's tough because, like, it's that that fine line of of he, he's your son, but you're, he's also your player in that moment, and you you gotta coach him the same way. Kind of you're coaching. Oftentimes, sometimes you coach your son harder because it's just human nature. What's it like for you to coach your son and have him play for you?
2: I you know it's it's funny you say that because I don't really think of him as my son when he's out there yeah. at all. He's just another player, and when he messes up, I give him that benefit of the doubt that you mess up once but let's fix it the next time right he does it two or three times it's time to yank him out of the game (laughs) and body out on there and and then I'll have my assistant talk to him because the assistant is seeing exactly my my assistant coaches are great Alex Clark and Eric Lee they're great with finding the good balance that I need to talk to guys that needs them need them to talk to them because I'm a little bit rigid when it comes to like across the board with all my players, my expectations of them, because I know that they can be a lot better than what they're putting out. So my son is just another player, to be honest with you. And um, I don't seem like that. He doesn't even call me dad at all. Um, <laughs> that's you know, the hardest I, thing.
1: I feel like that's the hardest thing for a, a kid when they're playing for their parents. It's like separating that, not, you know, kind of calling, referring to you as coach and not dad on the field.
2: And, and that's what he does. Yeah. I mean, I teach it. I teach at the school as well. And, and I'm a teacher here. He calls me Mr. Warren. My wife works here. He calls her Mrs. Warren. He's really good at separating family from professional life as well. He's a very mature 15 year old, to be honest too. Mm. And, and, and we, but at the same time, I love him. Right. And, and my wife asked a question the other day. How does it feel? And he said, it's worse for me because I have to go home with him.
1: <laughs> it never stops. The coaching never stops because of that
2: yeah so he, he just that's where he gets it it's yeah. when he comes home with me and like the last game he should have been on the inside of that kid who scored the equalizer and yeah. earlier and i i and he had to react and i told him i said i know it come down to you at the last minute there to get that tackling but you put yourself in a situation yeah. where you could have been in a lot better situation if you do that again you're sitting on the bench yeah
1: he's hearing more about that at dinner time too i imagine right. you guys <laughs> he's sitting down for dinner and that that subject comes up but hey that's that's extra coaching that he has access to that other players don't. Right, right. <laughs> in the preseason, I, I talked to a lot of coaches. Coaches are always optimistic in the preseason. Who wouldn't be? It's a new season. It's Everything's right there in front of you. You were optimistic, but your team is backing it up. How do you know? What told you last year, though? You kind of mentioned this coming in. You, you liked what you had, but how did you know the optimism was real, especially this year coming into the season?
2: They buy in. Yeah. The boys bought in. That's the key, right? Them buying in what we want to do. On the off-seasons, the boys were in the weight room. They're strength and conditioning, and they're putting in the work. They they do their other sport that they have to do in the spring, and then after the spring, they did track and whatever they did. They were off soccer practices. Some guys played for CFC. Some guys played for Juventus West, which is now IFA. And and they were backing that up like with their performance. And then in the off-seasons, they in the summer, you, you see them putting in the work as well. And I don't have to be there, you know what I mean? And that's the key, right? It's I don't have to be there to tell them. And the seniors, right? The senior captains—they they set the tone. We have like some really good senior captains. Charlie Regal was committed to College. Josh who was was still out there waiting to see what he's gonna do. Joseph John, who's a senior, who's on the field and playing great soccer, who's thinking between a couple two a couple schools who he's gonna go to and play. And then Dylan Mazuka, who's the rock in the midfield, number eight. And great. And, and those guys, they, they communicate and let the guys know. And then the younger guys, they want to play for those guys. And that's the key, right? They want to play for these guys because these guys are great example on the field and, and getting it done and putting their body on the line for situations. And Dylan didn't play against, uh, Taft and a sophomore stepped in, right? Sophomore stepped into the sixth position and played a solid game as a sophomore when you have to come in and fill in for a guy who's a division one level player and say that, hey, I'm going to step in and, and fill that gap. And he did. And he worked his butt off. And that's an ILB. And it was a new sophomore from Bermuda. And those are the things that you look at. And then you have guys like Aiden Gardner stepping up on the flank, getting the job done, scoring goals. And, and goals are coming from everywhere. And then you have Braden Marta, who plays for IFA, MLS next, playing the 10. His brother, Christiana Marta, up top. It's just that love for the guys. And then you have guys coming off the bench, like Evan Rosselli and Eddie, Grace, and all of those Michael do from Ghana. And they step out and they come in and the, the level doesn't drop. So we saw that in the preseason. We were up in Maine and I was very pleased. Like the fitness that they came, they came in with good fitness level. And, and so, and and good love for each other, the way they were talking to each other, pushing each other. And and I didn't have to do it. I, I still haven't done that. And that's something that has been built for the past two years. And that's because you have more guys returning versus other guys just joining in. And then they just join in and they show them the love that they have for them the same way. And there's, there's no jealousy amongst, amongst them than the fact that they just want to be on the field to help to be successful. That's, that's what my boys are. Like if a kid doesn't play, he's not upset because man, I should be playing over that guy. No, it's, I just want to be out there to help the team be successful is what they want.
1: This next month you have is uh, loaded with with tough matchups. I'm just eyeing the schedule here. You got Berkshire, you got Choate, you got Loomis Chafee, you got Worcester Academy. Is Northfield Mount Hermon in there too? Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a who's who of New England boys prep soccer. So you're not shying away from any of these opponents. So you'll learn a lot about what you really are over this next month compared to kind of the you know the 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 big boys of New England soccer so how how much are you looking forward to this month and and um how prepared do you think the team is to go into this stretch coming up
2: we're going to take it one day at a time yeah one day at a time typical you know? coach answer right there <laughs> one day at a time we get, uh, tomorrow we got Pomfret, so right. let's let's get through Pomfret first and then um uh, we can think about the next opponent right um you know i think that the boys take it one day at a time with me, and and we go through what we have to do. Like we got a lot to work on today, and that's what the key is. We got to work on those things. We can't. We we're not gonna give up any more goals, and and that's and that's the bottom line. And and if we're giving them up, they gotta earn it. We gave two away on Saturday. I'm not even kidding you. If you saw the film, you'd be like, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, we gave two away," and and we had to earn our two. So it, it's time to like we're going to fix that and then we're going to keep it moving and we're going to fix how we're going to keep playing and, and uh, get better every day. Uh, The guys were upset on Saturday too. Very upset. They, they walked off the field like they lost the game. So, and, and that's good. I I like when things like that happen the way it does and then we can go back in uh, on the field and on the pitch and get it going. So no, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that part of the question about, The test of the big boys. Right. I mean, I think once we get on the field, it's 11v11 at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean,
1: when you make, when you make the schedule and you put a schedule together, though, are having um, games against that type of competition, is that important for you to have those type of tests along the way?
2: It is for us. It is. We're a B school, smaller school. Mm -hmm. So then those schools. And if we could play those guys, we know that if we can compete against them, whether we keep it close or we win or we tie, we know that when we get into the playoffs, we can go places. And And that's the key, right? So like the game on Saturday felt like a playoff game and the environment and everything was exciting. We know that the guys feel that and they're like, okay, this is what it's like. All right. When we could have taken this one and when, or Taft could have taken it, it could have gone either way. To be honest with you, that was a great game. Right. It could have gone either way. Fortunately, we took the lead twice. Unfortunately, we lost the lead twice and when, and that's a playoff kind of game, uh, playoff kind of atmosphere that would have gone into extra time, then we've gone from extra time and then go to PKs. Right. So for them to see that they can take it. As far as they can against a school like that, they can take it as far as they could against Andover. They could take it as far as they could against Hotchkiss. They could take it as far as they could against Deerfield. We, we want that kind of competition because everybody's going to be like, Oh, the West B schools are so weak. That's why you win in every game. Right. Well, well, guess what? We're playing the A schools that are at the top eight, top 10, top 11. You know what I mean? So there is no question about our, our performance. Now
1: you're still serving as the, the president of the NEPSA Boys Soccer Coaches Association, right? Yes, right? I am. How, how many years is that for you now at that role?
2: I think it's my third year. Third. Uh, I started in 2020 is when I took over as president. Before that, yeah. I was uh, the vice president. Before that, i had been on the executive board, so I've been a part of it for years before that. So what what is that? What does that role kind of
1: entail, and how much added stuff is that to kind of your your yearly workload
2: it's not as bad as people think it is it's like when the season start i just have to make sure i get the rules out make right. sure they're following the rules make sure they put in the scores make sure I'm doing the little things that need to be done like the cards and all that stuff that will affect like a game for the next game like if a kid got four yellow cards and he's got to miss the next game stuff like that and just being honest about it and it, it's those are the little things or i might get a phone call from somebody saying this referee did this at the game. And I said, we have no control of referees. We just have control of like the games itself and the coaches and the players in our league. Just to follow up with that and then work closely with the, the committee director, working with the committee and making sure that we sit down and we pick the best schools that will make the top eight between A, B, C, and D sit in there. I sit on the A selection committee not the bees because my team is a beast. Yeah, kid. conflict of
1: interest, right? You wouldn't be allowed to,
2: right? Do so that right? that works, right? Basically, and we, we, I work really closely with the ads to make sure we're following prep school rules and make sure that the rules are followed. And the executive body, the ad executive body, they will make final calls, and then I just send the email out based on the final calls of situations. And that's that's my job. Like I'm not. I'm not the end all be all i'm I'm like the police right right so I'm basically the guy who is explaining the law to you and interpretation of the law, this is what you get him from me, and that's it like i'm not the 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 judge and executor at all right
1: yeah be, being that close to the selection process for for the postseason though you you like you said class a that's still that's a hard a hard job though because i mean it's only eight teams, and there's always a couple. That, that felt like they should be there at least a couple. And it's a it's a tough process, especially once you get down to like who's filling out that six, seven, eight seed. So what's that process like? Is that is that as difficult as it seems to us on the, from the outside looking in?
2: It it is it is at the end. It takes us a, a, a lot of hours to, to figure it out the last three who's to make it in. It does. There's a lot of variables, but we have to stay consistent with what we talked about with the Bs and what we talked about with the Cs and what we talked about with the Ds. So we're like, how did we pick the teams for the last three for the Ds and the Cs and the Bs? And so we make sure that we are aligned. So when we make those phone calls that we are very aligned, there's a lot of different things, common op- common opponents, strength of schedule. Like our schedule is very strong. So that's not a question there. But then like when it comes to First and second teams that won their league, how do you leave a team out that won the league, right, and making them a seven seed or eight seed stuff like that? So it's a lot of different things because the league, the league that you're in, may not be as strong. So I I know that's going to be a com- uh, conversation about the teams in the in the West this year, like the B schools, right, right, and saying that they're not as strong, and then when they see more schools from the East going to the playoffs, they're going to question that as well. But, you know, that is where I trust the committee, um, to make the right decision of like who will go based on the strength schedule and, and common opponents and stuff like that. So good losses, uh good wins versus bad wins versus bad loss, all of that stuff. It's just like an NCAA. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which Stay. there's always <laughs> there's always a lot of angry teams and that rolls around too. It's always it's always feels like there's more talk about the teams who didn't make it than the teams who did make it because there's always there's always somebody who's unhappy. A few teams were unhappy, so that's why I don't I don't envy anybody who has to really take part in that process.
2: The, the guys the, the the all the guys who were a part of it did a great job. I I honestly on the outside I was like that in 2008, yeah. 2009, 2010, 2010. I had a, a, a 500 record, 500, and I was upset that I didn't make it in. And and I remember when. I didn't make it, and one of my colleagues looked at me and said, "Well, if you you didn't make it, why don't you just join us and then see what it's like?" And I went in the room and sat through it, and I was like, "Wow, this this you get a lot of perspective that way." Right. And that's what I always, any time I've coached that says that they don't like the decision or whatever, I say, like, "Well, you can be a part of the committee, yep. part of the solution." And then you'll get to see what it's like. Because when you're in the room and you're seeing what's happening and the the hours we take, then we're like, okay, I got it. I got it.
1: Now, you're originally from Jamaica. How old were you when you left Jamaica,
2: come to the States? Oh, I came here I later. Later. I came to college. Yeah, I came straight to college. I met my wife in college Yeah, uh, in Ohio. So I came a little later. Yeah.
1: You still get yeah. back there a lot? Get back to Jamaica a bunch or no?
2: No, I don't. No. I really don't. My old, my youngest is nine. Uh, I have twins that are nine. Yeah. Uh, so, um, we were going to go bad last, uh, when COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, but now we're looking to try to get the boys out there. I have four boys of my own. So we're trying to get the boys out just to see what it's like and where sure. I'm coming where I came from. So sure.
0: What was the,
1: the, the recruiting or, you know, the, the college selection process like as, as a Jamaican player looking at United States? universities and coming to play here. What was that process like for you?
2: I don't think it was hard. I did the SATs a while back. I scored really good on the SATs. I was playing uh, at a high level, uh, very high level. And so played with a lot of my Jamaican guys, Jamaican national players, youth you program. So they knew about me as a player. And I don't know, a lot of coaches came down and watched us play. They go down a lot, matter of fact. Just the same thing with track. Right. There's a lot of US-based colleges there for track and and they come down for soccer as well. And now you've noticed like most of our soccer guys are not going to Europe more than actually coming to college, which is the route to go for a lot of these younger players. Like Raheem Sterling is from my hometown. Mm -hmm. Uh, a matter of fact, I grew up knowing his mom. And, And now he's in England playing and then we have all these younger players that are coming out of the areas that we played in. And I think that it's huge that these guys are getting way more exposure than we did when I was younger. So,
1: yeah, I mean, if you're if you're talented, they'll find you. Coaches will find you. There's uh, especially these days. I mean, there's not not really. Uh, hopefully, the obstacles don't really exist. I mean, it's easier with the internet and highlight reels and stuff like that. I feel like it's a, it's a lot easier. We we've hit the point in the in the show, Ricky, where we're going to do our our extra time segment with producer David Yaz. It's the end of regulation, so let's move to extra time. 3 soccer related questions and we'll we'll do our best to answer those you you up for this i'll try (laughs) that's
0: all we can ask that's all we can ask come on matt as yoda famously said there is no try only do or (laughs) something but i imagine yoda probably wasn't very good at soccer no didn't quite have the size like it yeah (laughs) so first question and coach will let you go first on this one there is a new series that just got posted to netflix about david beckham it's this huge documentary that i am only in episode 1 but it seems to to uh, emphasize the the point that he was a lot bigger than soccer really influenced the sport so from what you know of him of david beckham wh- where does he rank among the all-times all-timers in your opinion in terms of not just performance on the field but being an ambassador for the sport drawing attention to the sport etc
2: you're asking me a tough question as a Liverpool fan. Yeah. No, I <laughs> you know, so um, you hate him. I'd, I'd, well, I'd say I'd say Kenny Dalglish and those guys over David Beckham any day with my biases. I think Be- David Beckham definitely brought a whole different element to the game with Sir Alex Ferguson. A lot of people don't realize it, but Sir Alex Ferguson made those guys great. Those guys were really young players who had a lot of talent. And and that's another thing that we talk about, right? Seeing the, how good this player can be. Def, Dave, definitely David Beckham on the all time list. I, it's hard for me to put him along with like a player like Ronaldinho, Messi and, and those players, Pele is these are World Cup winning players, right? And then Beckham did not get the World Cup. He's won a lot of different things, but did not get the World Cup. He did go to Real Madrid and and did a great job at Real Madrid as well. So I know that he is an ambassador of the Mm -hmm. game. But you just saw greatness touch America when Messi came, right? And so you're going to see a whole nother level of somebody who just blew up the game in the United States. David Beckham came in. He did something similar but what Messi is doing to the game right now and Apple TV and everything else is a whole not level. level. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that he, he is a great player. 100% um, within himself. He's one of the greatest players that knows how to bend the ball the way he bends the ball and uh, crosses and, and, and finishing. Um, but he wasn't dynamic. He wasn't, the dynamic kind of guy and yeah. and so it's hard for you to always compare greatness with another great player, but he is one of the greatest players of all time that helped the game to be where it is today
0: well, great answer, Matt. I don't know how you're going to follow that by the way, Ferguson is depicted in the documentary at length, and at least in the beginning really didn't care for Beckham's extracurricular stuff <laughs> and which and and helped him focus on soccer, but Matt, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, that uh, that documentary is in my queue. I'm I'm absolutely going to start watching that probably this week. Great player, uh, nowhere's near one of the greatest players in my opinion, but it was the extracurricular stuff that did so much to attract other fans to soccer and and bring soccer to light to people that, you know, to people who may not otherwise have been soccer fans. I mean, marrying a Spice Girl, all the tattoos, the image Good-looking guy, great pl- bending the ball. The movie bend it like Beckham. I mean, just so many pop culture references that he that he brought to the table that other players didn't bring to the table. I mean, he, but does he match up with Pelé? No. Does he? Messi is just on another world, well, you know, another level. And to not win a World Cup, I think when when your career is all said and done, that that's that hurts. It's, it's great that Messi got one because that would have been the same blemish on his career if he didn't. As great as we all know he is, it's the same blemish on Ronaldo's career right now. But yeah, I think uh, what he brought to the game and the attention he brought to the game is worth
0: uh, anything just being th- that he would have brought if he was just a top three player of all time. Mm. Well, Coach mentioned um, Messi and Apple TV and everything that's going on in the sport now in the States. Question number two, and Matt, you get this one first, Yep, is I guess fairly simple. How we com- we compare the popularity of the sport in the States and overseas. Are fans just different in America? And if so, How? Oh yeah, way different. I mean, they just well, they don't have. I don't think American
1: soccer fans have the uh, depth of knowledge that maybe European soccer fans have because it's just not the the history of this of the sport here. I think we're we're getting there. I mean, I think this as the generations change. I mean, some of the younger players right now have understand concepts of soccer that I didn't understand when I was young because the game is so more so much more readily available. But yeah, our, I mean, our fans are like very result-driven. They want uh, satisfaction right now. I mean, you see, like, look, want, at, the, look okay. at the Patriots. I mean, people are jumping off that bandwagon as fast as they can because they're now, fire Belichick, let's be done with them. They're done. Like, we're, we're a results-driven culture here. And soccer's been more of a slow burn in this country, although it just keeps escalating and it just keeps getting better. But we just don't have the history and in, in the depth of knowledge, I don't think, to to match the fandom in, in other countries, Europe or otherwise. I'm
0: sure there are some American soccer, quote-unquote, fans that go to a game hoping to see the final score, like 14 to 10. They are, they and they don't get it.
1: What do you mean? Why Why is why, the, the the clock's done? Why are we still playing? I mean, yeah. they don't understand just the, the things. Like, yeah. you, you know what it is. It's just that it's extra time. The refs got the t- official time. They just don't understand the concepts as much as they watch it.
0: Coach, your thoughts on fans overseas versus United States?
2: It's a hunger. Soccer in the rest of the world is a it's a poor sport. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you got the inner city poor running around barefoot kids that wanna be great mm-hmm. one day. Whereas in America, soccer is a it's more of a wide collar sport. That's a great um, point. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a pay to play. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. because it's a pay to play, everybody think that they should have a right. <laughs> Entitlement, right. To everything so but whereas it is it's a hunger it's a hunger and the rest of the world they they're they're ter- thirsty for it it's just it's just like football and basketball right it's that hunger right so i so football basketball those two sports are amazing and great in america because of the hunger and the players and the hunger that they have and the hunger they put on the field and that gravitate and that makes the fans want to f- they feel that hunger and that 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 drive that they have. Whereas in the U.S., that's not there. You know what I mean? It's a little different that way. So like when I was little and running around barefoot, I wanted to be like, I want to grow up and be like John Barnes. I want to be like Kenny Dalglish. I want to be like, I'm I'm kicking a sock around. I'm kicking a box around. Yeah. I mean, you'll <laughs> never be that in America. So you, whereas you'll see your kid in America, in the inner city, they'll take like a, a tire rim and put it up on a on, on a, um, post and then they shoot a basketball and put plywood behind it. And you got a basketball hoop and they're shooting basketball and they're playing street ball and stuff like that. You don't see that in America that much. Um, kids playing on the streets like they do in the rest of the world. So that's what you're missing. Like that's, that's why it's the, the sport in America is just where it is. And 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 it will get better it is getting better there's more inner city kids who are starting to play there's immigrants that came over from the into the in america right now and their kids are playing and you see it more across new england especially and that's why I love I love recruiting across new england boston area and everywhere because western mass long meadow get, I have a few kids from the western mass on my team and they bring a whole different level <laughs> of competitiveness Mm-hmm. versus the kids I have here that I get from in Connecticut. So that's what I'm saying, like, it's a hunger. That's what that's my answer to it. That's and and then because i s I've come from it firsthand, coming from I had the opportunity to play in the States and 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 what I had to go through to get here and the fans back home and how they are. You don't you don't have referees getting threatened at right. games. In in America, like they do it back home, you don't have people like getting you know, like really getting fights like they are in England for games in Europe and all that stuff like that. And they telling you to be respectful in the game and stuff like that. It's a way, it's way more than a game across the world than it is in the U.S. And that's why, and that's why the fan. And that's my opinion. That's just my opinion, well, Ricky. On that.
1: Ricky, to that point, too. I, I I totally agree. I think one of the biggest problems with you. Sports in the United States, even not just soccer, is we've made everything pay to play. Everything is, I mean, mm. club baseball, AAU basketball, AAU. Mm. club soccer. We've made everything pay to play in this country to the point where it's like, okay, you want to play this high level, fork over the thousands of dollars, and your kid can play this high level. Where in the and it's it's a big reason why other countries. I mean, look at the World Basketball Championship over the summer. U.S. USA came in fourth, didn't even medal. The the rest of the countries are 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 catching up to us even in sports that are our own sports because right. we've come up with this pay-to-play kind of like white colorization of, of sports. I think that's an awesome point you made because I think it's it's not just soccer. It's everything.
2: It's great. And it's, we do have all these kids who are so talented that can't play. Right. And can we give some of these guys the chance? They're here in our backyard. They right. are. Like, honestly, like, i found a few. So, I mean, they're here. You just got to see them. And then hopefully they can qualify for aid in, in programs sure. and stuff like that. And I think that that's where we have a little bit of our investors. Can we invest a little bit more into the talent than into the money itself? Sure. Great point.
0: Great thoughts, Coach. Final question for extra time. And Coach, you get this one first. The question about styles of coaching. Certain styles do tend to, tend to lend themselves to certain sports. For example, a college basketball coach, most of them anyways, are going to be moments where they're acting fiery. And yet it's not unusual for a baseball manager to, let's face it, sit on his butt for an entire game. <laughs> when it comes to soccer, are there traits? And, and tell us about that dynamic or can very different coaching styles succeed in, in soccer? Are there certain aspects of soccer that lend itself to certain attributes? What do you think?
2: It all depends on the culture you're trying to build. How you are going to be a coaching style or based on your coaching style? If you want your team to be an edgy team, you're going to be an edgy coach. If you want your team to be a level-headed coach, a uh, level-headed team, you may have to try to make sure you keep level-headed as much as possible. I think it's a different style. It's just, you, you have to remember also you're representing an institution, you're representing an organization that is a lot bigger than yourself as well when you're out there on the sidelines. and 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 then also you just have to remember you have to have a core belief or a core foundation of what you want your team to be. And once you do that and you find that core foundation of how you want your players to be, how you want them to play together and stuff like that, it all depends on the coach. I 2008 coach of me is a different 2023 coach of me. So, you know, after a while, you get to learn what is best, right? So
0: can we guess that your current style is more measured than it was when you were a younger man?
2: Yeah, I was more, uh, to be a better coach, this is something that was taught to me by an older coach of mine who was a mentor, he said to me, Bobby Clark, Coach Notre Dame, and a few other guys who said the same thing to me. The Binghamton coach, Paul Marco, he says, Ricky, for you to be a good coach, you got to stop being a player. (laughs) Uh, So the minute I decided that I'm not going to put my passion of a player in the game, and not make it about me, and it's all about the players now, I started to learn more about how to be a coach. I started to center all my focus around my players individually. How, what, how am I going to get them out? And also, it makes you a better teacher as well. An educator as well is the center around the student, more than thinking, oh, I need this kid to pass this class. No, I, I need to see how I can reach this kid to be the best this kid can be. And I think from that you, you go from there and you have your culture or whatever else it is. Like you believe that everybody's for everybody and nobody's bigger than the game. And no matter how talented you are, you have to be, you have to fit that team. Um, and that's one of the things that Messi does. I, I, yeah, I'm a big Messi fan. And if you watch Messi uh, playing right now, he gives the trophy to the teammate that he felt like deserve the trophy in that moment he he'll he'll let a guy take a PK even if he got the PK that he think that in that moment deserved that PK. That and that says a lot about like the character of a talented player that knows that he's not bigger than the game and that it's all about his teammates. His teammates didn't get him the ball, he wouldn't have been able to get that PK and stuff like that. If we can get our talented players to understand that that they play within the system of a system and I coach, I coach within a system in a system and that it's bigger than me. And the game is mm. way big, than me way bigger mm. than me. So I have to respect the game every time I step on the field or whether it's coaching or 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 whatever it may be.
0: Mm. Matt, your thoughts on this? I,
1: I would say in soccer, ground stomping and clipboard throwing doesn't really accomplish a whole lot. I mean, it, in basketball, it's a more confined area. It's kind of performative. It's, it's riding the referees. It's trying to, it's trying to accomplish something with, with that kind of yelling and screaming and, and, and actions. Soccer, I feel like often comes down to preparation you did leading into the match. And then when the match starts, you put your 11 out there, it's minimal substitutions. The game never stops. You don't, in in match, I mean, you're relying on the preparation you did and the instructions you gave to your players and what you how you prepared them, and then you're just you're kind of seeing it unfold. Yes, there are moments when you may argue with a referee about a call, or you may you know it's a it's a timely substitution that you think the team needs and and a spark the team needs or whatnot. But so much of it is preparation. That's why I think a lot of, a lot of the great soccer coaches you've seen have have a great a pretty measured, calm demeanor on the field because I don't think throwing tantrums and all that loud stuff really, really gets a lot done. And it's in football, football is kind of that rah-rah physical stuff. Like, oh, I've kept fired up. All sports have that to a degree, but soccer's less. I think soccer is more about getting your message across to your players in preparation and then just watching them carry through that, that game plan. That, that, that's what I would say.
0: Well, very good. You, you both successfully negotiated extra time. Congratulations. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on my way to have my David Beckham tattoo removed <laughs> and replaced with a messy tattoo, which I think will look, uh, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> that was the overriding theme of yeah, that extra time. We, that's yeah. what we, do. back to you, Matt.
1: Ricky, that was awesome. Gr- great, great answers. So, so well thought out and just, just awesome stuff.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me for sure. But the sport is, like you said, I'm, I love this sport. It's a great sport. And I just I'm so happy that I was able to contribute today in your podcast. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. We'll obviously be be keeping tabs on Suffield Academy throughout the rest of the season, off to a great start, as we said, and very well could be headed to that to that playoff berth. So Ricky, thanks again for joining the, the show. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Ricky Warren for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast.